What's going on, gang? It's your boy, Tommy D, the nonprofit sector. I, I'm going to stop, like, in the middle of my nickname, I'm going to stop. God, I miss doing this show, man. I really miss this. And uh, so I'm the nonprofit sector connector. This show is called Philanthropy and Focus. The studio, well, the studio, let me tell you. That's about three flights up from, uh, from the kitchen. It's just below the roof of the home I live in. We call it the attic. That's right. Tommy D brings this show to you from the attic, the nonprofit sector connector, philanthropy and focus. Here's the thing. I'm going to brag a little. I don't brag on myself that much, but, uh, or about myself. I mean, I'm a big Tommy D fan, which if you listen to the show, you probably knew that already. And I would encourage you to be a big fan of yourself. Cause I think that's, uh, you know, give yourself a hug every once in a while. That's my, uh, <laughs> my words of wisdom on a chilly day here, uh, in New York. So what do I, what is this show about? What am I trying to do? What is the impact I'm trying to make? Nonprofits are so special. Nonprofits change our world every day. And the show is really about bringing home that story, bringing home what the impact of the nonprofits are. So let me go back to the bragging thing. I never had a radio show until January 8th of 2021. This is the 50th episode of Philanthropy and Focus. We did 49 episodes in to calendar year 21. This is big number 5-0. It was an idea like many things are. Everything starts out as an idea, right? And then we go out and we do something. We implement it. We have a team around us to get things done. So I'm going to brag a little bit. By the end of this year, we'll have knocked down right around that 100 episodes. And what does that mean? ain't about me. It's really not. It's about the work that the nonprofits are doing. It's about amplifying the message for the sector. I tell you this all the time, whether you know me in real life, whether you know me just from listening to this program, nonprofits, every second of every minute, hour, day, month, year, the whole thing, change our world. Who does the work if the nonprofit sector doesn't do the work? That's what I ask. I actually have something there. It says, can you imagine a world without nonprofits. So I say that, and I've learned that from my friend Ken Serini, who founded the Long Island Imagine Awards coming up on the 10th anniversary this year. I sit on the committee there. And the New York City Imagine Awards, which we just had the inaugural event in, it's a tough word to say inaugural, but the inaugural event in um, October of this year, New York City, recognizing the nonprofits. And we say, can you imagine a world with nonprofits? I'd rather not. In fact, I'd rather just know there are nonprofits and tell everybody about them. So sometimes, and I'm going to introduce my guests shortly, but sometimes I talk about strategic partnerships between nonprofit organizations and for-profits. Sometimes we talk about the alliances or opportunities or partnerships between multiple nonprofits. And what's kind of cool, I'm going to read you the statement, the the mission statement for the organization we're going to be talking about today, Working for Women. So Working for Women's purpose is to elevate women who are economically marginalized, to elevate them to financial independence by transforming, listen to this, the way businesses support nonprofits working for women. So listen to that. That's very exciting stuff. We're going to be talking about it. CEO, co-founder, uh, founder, CEO, Beth Bankston is here with me. Beth, I thought the attic was pretty cool, but I'm really digging your whole scene right there. Like all my books are like on a bookshelf over there. I have this like tight little closet of the attic. I make a joke about it. I sort of say, you and I, I think are contemporary. So I'll say this. There was a movie with Mike Myers and Dana Carvey called Wayne's World a bunch of years ago, right? Some of my people like Tommy D, we heard you say this before. I'm literally in my attic. And Wayne and Garth were like literally in the basement, right? They get the, the show, they go to the network. So I think eventually I will be out of the attic, but it's got to still look like the attic. You know what I'm trying to say? Like that, it's got to, it'll be like Tommy D's attic, you know, at, at Rockefeller, you know, the 30 Rock. Like, that, wow, that's bold. But yeah, look, you know, that's, that's what I am. I'm a little bit bold today. I drank a lot of coffee. Beth, good morning. Morning, Tommy. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the attic. How are you doing? I am good, and I, I have to share. Okay. I'm kind of in my attic, too. Are you? No, I am in the top most corner of my own house. I love that. A couple flights up from the kitchen and all the <laughs> other stuff, and this is this is my attic space. It's, so. It would be difficult if I made that a rule. Like, you you can't come right, on the show like, unless you had an attic, unless you were in the attic. That would be difficult for, to, like maintain that but i do appreciate you being in the attic and it's a it's a way and it's funny because it is a snow day here on long island where where i operate from and there are several small people in the home today who are not usually in the home at this time of day yep. so it's it's like 
you know, I, I'm, I'm very quick with the mute button because you never know what, <laughs> you never know what might happen, especially in live, right? We're doing live. So this is, this is fun. So um, I'm thrilled. I, I will tell you one thing before we dive in, I, I, I talk about being the nonprofit sector connector and I don't get to meet you if it wasn't for being a networker. I don't get to meet you if it wasn't for other people looking out for me and not only for me, but I, I'd like to say to be a little bit bold again, it's good for you that you've met me. And that's not about like how great Tommy D is. It's great for what we're doing here. So shout out to my buddy, Jeff Embry, because if it wasn't for Jeff, um, I think you say, I think you call, you call him Jeffrey. I think you yeah. refer to him Jeffrey. Yeah. My neighbor. Um, yeah, your neighbor, right? So like I, we network together, Jeff and I, we know a lot of the same people. And my sort of ask from my networking folks is like, look, if you sit on a board, if you're involved with a nonprofit organization that's making a great impact and they need to get out and tell their story a bit more, connect them with me. Let's get them on the show. Let's just get them into my network, that type of thing. And Jeff and many others, I mean, uh, have done just that. And I look forward now to, as we go through our conversation today, having the opportunity to extend that introduction from what Jeff did for you and I and bringing that forward. I mean, we just did it the other day when we were kind of was like, dude, I got to do this. I want you to meet this one, blah, 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 blah. Right. I, <laughs> so I will read a little bit of background. Cause like I said to you in, in our little virtual green room in, in our attics, I said, I don't really want this to be about me reading. So here's what I'll say. Beth founded this organization, which is a social enterprise called working for women. And she firmly believes that the business should and can be a force for social good. I am thrilled about that. I want to talk a whole bunch about that. We'll run out of time, but I, we will talk some social good stuff because isn't that what businesses are about? We hear a lot about the younger generation. We hear a lot about how people will leave a job if it's not aligned with making a social impact, right? So Beth has dedicated her career towards designing purpose-driven business practices for corporate clients and her own small business. Um, she also has is recognized the challenge of vetting worthy organizations and evaluating the impact of support given. I have a friend of mine who we collaborate, um, Christine Deska, who we collaborate on the nonprofit executive leadership roundtables, which are uh, monthly, and we do them obviously on Zoom because the whole world is on Zoom. We used to do them in the real world. And Christine talks, uh, her organization, again, is Nonprofit Sector Strategies. They have a platform called Bell's Board, and they also do a lot of strategic planning consulting. She talks a lot about how I met her originally was around social return on investment, SROI, you know, that triple yep. stuff. And that's, that's so, so important. Maybe we'll get into that too. Uh, Beth is certified in empowerment design and facilitation through the Empowerment Institute. And she earned her MBA from Schiller International University in Paris, France, and her BS in management from the Penn State University, who you've probably heard of the, that gang folks, right? And uh, her work is strengthened by her energetic and active family, two adolescent boys, two dogs, and thankfully only one husband. Right on. You got the ratios in order on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any remaining time, she digs hanging out with friends and connecting with nature. And you're part of the world. There is a bunch of nature. I mean, there's nature where I am, but you know, you're sort of I call, when we moved out here, we used to live in Queens, we moved out here to the island, and I grew up on the island, and Long Island for you all, the, we call it the island here, but um, I heard somebody call Staten Island the island, and I thought that was kind of, I thought that was kind of cute. <laughs> yeah. So when we moved out here, I said, oh, yeah, we live out in the country, and I think you're more country, like, where you're part we of are. the world, when we are, you got some nature out there, right? That's why I texted you this morning, I was like, I was concerned, we good with internet? I was like sort of worried about that because, you know, uh, it's a little more the sticks than where I am. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, those lines. so we're up in the Hudson Valley. So I'm up in, in Kingston, but I'm in I'm in the urban area of the Hudson Valley. So. I, I know it. My, uh, so my wife went up to school. She went to New Paltz. Yep. Salute. I think that was a sneeze. Salute if it was. Salute if it wasn't. Either way. <laughs> um, my wife was up at, at New Paltz and I had a bunch of my buddies, my cousin, my and friends of ours were over at Marist sort of like the same time, like 20 some odd years ago. So I spent a lot of time up that way. Um, so look, I, like we talked about the other day, this is about you. This is about the organization. This is about you telling some stories. I usually ask my guests, where, how does this start? How does your journey into nonprofit, social impact? Where, tell me that story, if we could start there. Yeah, well, definitely. And I did the same thing. I just have to share that 
I have the door that's sitting behind me on this and it's locked because I've got two, those two adolescent boys home today I, with snow day. It always I, makes it a little bit more challenging, it is, right? Isn't I mean, that fun? Isn't that fun? A little more challenging our day? I mean, I literally went down to get more coffee right now. And my wife said, dude, you have to tell me when you're done with the show. Like right. I go, like I need, so, so like the chaos, it was almost like, so the circus can like turn back on. Like, exactly. And so I said, 1057 AM, you can, whatever can happen. So yeah. Same I, thing in this household. Just please, just be quiet for a little more. That's all I'm looking for. So, so take it away. Tell me the story. Tell me about Beth. Tell me kind of how it all starts. And I want to say congratulations. You said January 8th. We are on January 7th. So it's cool? a year. That's yeah. pretty amazing. It's pretty wild. Like it wasn't, of, it wasn't a thing and now it's a thing. You and know? now it's a thing. And it's an important thing, right? Because I think you're completely right. Those connections are invaluable. And, and why we're still here and up and going is because of the people and conversations like this that have allowed me to meet, meet the next group of people that have allowed us to start making the connections and building this organization. So my background, you kind of alluded a bit to it, is all from, was all from the for-profit. I worked in the for-profit world all along, both um, within large corporations and running my own firm and always had a belief that, social, that business could be a force for social good. So in that, I held a position at one point as it was the best title of my career beyond now the title I hold with running Working for Women, which was I was the vice president of positive impact for a marketing agency back in 2007. And how great is that, right? Like you could go around and say, hey, I'm all about the positive piece. All that. But that was really the beginning of, of businesses really starting to think about all, businesses of all sizes, right? Because corporate social responsibility has always been there in the larger businesses, but businesses were starting to say, hey, we need to think more about just profit. We need to think about people, profit, planet. And that was being brought in. And then we had the Great Recession of 2008. Mm-hmm. And businesses backpedaled. Everybody yeah, backpedaled. Nice. That stuff is nice to have. But now we got to actually, we're in trouble here. Like we got to run a bit. Not, not we got to go back. And, we, and business went back to, you know, like we have to focus on the bottom line. We only have one bottom line. We can't be on th- three bottom lines. But fast forward to where we are now, you know, starting this organization, we were really starting to get our traction as COVID happened. And I kind of had a panic of, oh, my God, here we're putting this organization out there that's to bring the business community and the nonprofits together to really support and and make this easier um, across these worlds. And here we're going into another economic crisis. But it's very different this time because of what you talked about before. People are one of the big things that's happening in the Great Recession right now is as not great recession, the great resignation, we go from the great recession to the great resignation, is there's two things that people are looking for in companies, purpose, they want to be aligned along those lines, and flexibility. And if that's not there, and they're not feeling that, you know, then they're going off and looking for opportunities elsewhere. And that truthfully is why working for women exists and why I've ended up here was that was always a big part of my career. It wasn't something that was available, though, when I came out of business school. At that point, you came out, you worked, worked really hard, mate, you worked really hard so you could make lots of money so that you go and do good when you retire. Right, right. Yeah, now, that stuff later. Yeah, not like but now people yeah. want it as part of their life. They don't want to have to wait for that. And they don't they don't have to. It doesn't have to be because it can be how we run our businesses. Yeah, I just it's there's so much there. I, I the first thing I'll, I want to pull out of that, and we're gonna to sneak to a quick break in a second, but it's like it without like that's that's the right way like the way we're talking about like the how this is you know because not to be you know morbid but to be practical some people don't get a chance to retire and do the thing later on or maybe funding wise they didn't save enough and you know the trust truck so why not have this integrated i'll use that word into our lifestyle i mean i'm on this campaign which you may or may not be aware of but i'm sure the people listening know 60 days of service i completed 29 days of the 60 day plan now if i was if, if i was if that was a sales plan and i did 29 out of 60 i wouldn't have that job anymore but fortunately it was something i came up with and i said you know it's taken me longer with the world the way it is to, than i thought it would have um, but in six months, I did 29 days of service. I, there was other things I did. I didn't count them, whatever. But the point is, I'm integrating that into part of my lifestyle. It's become a thing. It gets scheduled. It's it's like anything else, you know, go out. And um, I, I, I'm so taken by what you're saying because gone are the days where I have to just work, 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 work. You know, companies give 
you know, the personal days and volunteer days now, and there, there's so much there. I think companies are getting it. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, you'll probably get a chuckle out of the theme song, which I haven't heard in three weeks because we took a hiatus during the end of the, se- end of the last season. Um, but we'll be back. And I just, Beth, I, I just want to keep going with this. This is so fun. We'll be right back. This is Philanthropy and Focus. How do you say it, Tommy? Focus. Focus. We'll be right back with Beth Bankston and Tommy D. See you later. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. I venture a guess world that there's only one theme song for a radio show that mentions the word attic, not addict, but attic, you know, the top of the house thing. There might be, I don't know if there's any theme songs that have the word addict in it either, but I don't know. We'll have to check that out. I used to threaten folks when they came on the show that by the time we came back from another break, they'd have to sing the song with me, Beth. I, I stopped doing that because I like to have people come back and be friends with me. So I don't <laughs> I don't make that threat anymore. Uh, I do want to just kind of handle a couple things before we jump back into the conversation. Shout out to Mick Collins and Steve Fry, who comes on right after this, the SMB guy, Marjorie McCord, who I don't know. Maybe you know Marjorie if she's somebody on yeah, somebody on your team. So shout out to Marjorie okay. checking in, checking in on Facebook. You could tell me who she is in a sec if you want. And then Mick Collins, I guess this is a reference to the uh, to the Wayne's World thing, is telling me we're not worthy. We're not worthy. Shout out. I, I got to go back to those movies. My buddy, Mike from the neighborhood, uh, dressed up as uh, as Wayne Campbell and was like, had the hat. It was like doing this whole like head nod thing like Wayne used to do. So it, those those Wayneyacs, different Wayne, that's Wayne Newton. But those Wayne's World guys will remember, like, remember Mick Collins. I know you're laughing right now because that, that whole Wayne thing where he shook his head. All right, so this is, let's go back to the show, Tommy D. In addition to working, to running, working for women, Beth Bankson served as a board president for the Wallkill Valley Land Conservancy and also sits on an advisory board for Ulster County Community uh, Community College and um, many, many other things that I'm not going to read. But uh, let's dive back in. Purpose and flexibility. You know, the great resignation to me is like really interesting. Like, I don't I I don't know a whole bunch about it, but I I think it's interesting in the sense that people are fed up, like with what they were doing. And they're like, I'm going to say a bad word. They're like, screw it. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to go do it like a thing. I even have a friend who's who's looking to hire somebody right now in in New York City and, and this, this firm is having a tough time finding somebody. And I go, because people just don't want to go, if, if they can go quote unquote, get that money, those resources in doing something that they're more aligned with and they don't have to travel and they don't have to spend 20 bucks on breakfast and lunch in the city or whatever. 
it's kind of like it makes sense but i think the the great pause you know the pause as they call it and, you know when, when governor cuomo was talking about it you know i'm not saying cuomo not cuomo whatever that's not the point he's the guy that said pause right gang i'm not don't beat me up about that it's just about it. he was the one that said it um it, it, that pause was that for us, right? Beth, it gave us that opportunity to stop, look around, you know, breathe. Don't you agree? Like it's, for people- It also to- made us confront a lot of things in our society that aren't aren't great, right? Yeah. It, it yeah. cause people, we had enough time in the pause and many of us were still somewhat feeling that pause as Omicron was kind of flaring, yeah. is it gave you that time to kind of pause, look around and, and reevaluate, you know, where you're on your life and where you're spending your time. And work becomes a big component of that because where's the majority of most people's time spent is work. And if it's not aligning with your values, that's what I see. We're seeing a lot of questions of that now. You know, thank you. Yeah, I, I was talking to a, a new friend of mine the other day, and I'm not going to call her out by name, but she was working a job and um, she, she's got to must be in the late 20s. And um, she was working the, a job like a, a state job, not in New York. And she had these women who were up. 20, 30 years, her senior who hated what they were doing, but they stuck it out for the pension, for the benefits. And they tried to convince her, this is why we do this. Yeah, but maybe not. Like, let's try and flip it on its ear. Like, maybe that's not the deal. Like, and (laughs) that questioning is happening right now, right? That was the way it's like what I talked about when I came out of business school. It wasn't that you went off and were able to find a job of purpose or anything like that. You went off and you found the job that you could make the most money, that you could get to a place where you could retire. And then you could go off and pursue the thing that you'd really like to go and support. And that was kind of the way. And now we're questioning that, right? This next generation is completely saying, well, why does it have to be that way? Why, why, why do we have to operate that way? And the business world is changing too, right? Like when you look back and before COVID hit, we changed the purpose of a corporation for the first time. When I came out of business school, it was Milton Friedman's piece. And it was that your job as a business was to maximize shareholder profit. And now in August of 2019, that got changed, right? Now the business world is still figuring out how to do that. I'll be completely honest, but we redefined the purpose of a corporation to be about maximizing the return for all the stakeholders. And that's employees. That's the community in which you work. And interestingly, when they redefined it, they put shareholders at the end of that list. Wow. Um, That's a- which is a fundamentally, and while a lot of people say it's just words on paper, it's a huge, you know, 50 years of educating business people that the only purpose that you're supposed to do in business is maximize profit to, hey, actually, you need to think about the environment. You need to think about the community in which you work. You need to really make sure you're taking care of your employees. Are we there yet? No, but I think this period of COVID is escalating us closer and closer to that definition and moving businesses and causing this next generation, quite frankly, to say, that's the type of place I want to work. I mean, when you incentivize, and I'm going to just say it, when you incentivize the wrong behavior, which, and again, I've worked in, in publicly traded companies as a sales professional, and it was always like, I found it interesting, you know, I worked at the big, uh, I worked at ADP for many, many years, and I didn't experience what I'm about to say until I was in another company. Um, but I, I was witnessing like that, how 90 days, every 90 days, somebody has to report. And I got very interested in it in, in the past company I was working at. And I would get on the calls and I would listen to the CEO because they had gone public recently, you know, big company, but they had gone public recently. And I was like, wow, he's got to report this stuff like every 90 days. Like 90 days is not a long time. That's short-term thinking. That's not long-term. And it's just like, we got to hit the number. We got to hit the number. And as a sales guy, I was, you know, I I wanted to start working at ADP when I was 24 years old. So I've been in this profession, like as a profession for 20 years. uh, But I feel like I've always sort of been sales guy-ish, you know. Uh, but I witnessed like, wow. It, so I knew it was always about numbers. But then I, when you think of it, it's one thing where, you know, you're, you're working in a, in Bayside Queens and there's a dozen guys and you're selling payroll services. And it's like, well, we got to hit a number. And, I, and not that I totally agree with how that all that goes down. But then you, but the, I think the bigger challenge is you extrapolate that out to thousands of people in a mentality. And then you put in Wall Street and they're expecting numbers and investors. 
you incentivize, I say, the wrong behavior, you're going to get crappy results. I don't know why this is coming out like for me right now, but you know what I'm thinking of? The movie with, um, oh God, what's her name? Uh, Aaron Brockovich is the name of the, the, the you remember? Um, yeah. uh, Julia, uh, Julia Roberts. Yep. Yeah. I'm sorry, Mick Collins, my buddy, will probably be typing Julia Roberts on Facebook right now. But like, thank you, by the way, Mick, that wasn't a joke. You're always got my back on the stuff I can't think of. But, but Aaron Brockovich, like when those people tragically all those people are sick and you know because the company just let, let the stuff let the chemicals go into the water into the seep into the earth into the drinking water when the wrong stuff is set up when it's up, we just, we just got to make the money that's what we got to do we got to figure out and that's caring about the environment don't care it's not, it's not important that isn't important we'll that wasn't in the definition of what business needed to do not, not to your point earlier was increase shareholder value that's what it was right game changing stuff you're talking about yeah, but we're in a game-changing time, right? Like that's, to, again, to ask the business community after 50 years of only having one bottom line to really start thinking about multiple bottom lines is a fundamental change, but we need to help the business community do that. So what, is, what does that mean? So when you say we need to help the business community, I guess it's like anything else. Like a friend of mine, Cynthia, used to talk about like, uh, as we kind of go into the new ages and things like that, you, you know, you can't stop a train that's been going down and train is funny because the Long Island Railroad's right here and often it makes an appearance on my show here, but you can't stop a train that's going 80, 90, a hundred miles an hour down the track instantly. I guess tragically, if it hit something, maybe it would stop sooner. But the point is, maybe we did hit something. Maybe that's the point here. Maybe I think we have. And have that's something. why you're talking that's about the great resignation, right? right. Like that's, think, yeah. So that's, that's where we're causing, at. that's reinforcing. And so in a, if you have to start factoring that into your hiring, that's going to start to take you starting to look at your business. Right? After what? What specifically into hiring? What do you mean? If, if you've got employees that are saying, okay, that's great. The salary is, is good. I like the benefits. I like all these other things. But what are you doing as a company to make the world a better place? What is your role in that? And you don't have a good answer on that. Or you're just saying, hey, we write a check once a year yeah, yeah. kind of checkbox you're going to lose out to the other company that's there. Like this is about competitive differentiation in my opinion at this point. And, you know, having been in this space of kind of the, in, in, you know, you brought up the, my other hat, which is the environmental. And when you really think about corporate social responsibility, it's social, which is social justice and what's happening within your communities, which is what working for women's really focused in on with women but then it's also environmental. Like it, it's both of those pieces. You have to be thinking about your environmental footprint as a business, as well as your social footprint. You know, how are you helping humans and employees and um, outside stakeholders make the world a better place? How are you addressing some of the issues in, in your area? Um, so we're in a we're in a point now where companies, you know, you're starting to see it. Almost every company says we give this percentage of our profits back or we do this or we do along those lines. Because before, you know, it used to be I always talk about like shoes. When shoes first came out, they just had to be function, right? If you had to know the shoe worked, you were happy, you're good, right? Then customer service came into play. And people were like, oh, wait, that company has better customer service. Because L.L. Bean, five years after I worn these shoes and I wore them out, I can send them back to them and they're going to send me another pair. They back their products. And they like Tom's, right? We're Tom's. Yeah, Tom's. And now we're in a point where it's not enough to function. It's not enough the price and all the other things. But it's how are you helping to make the world a better place yeah. along those lines? And it has to be authentic. It right. can't be checkbox. And we're in that transition right now of, of it being words on paper to being part of business strategy. And I can talk about that. I want you to break coming up. Yeah, we do. We'll we'll go to a quick break. And then I want you to talk about that. I want to talk about like kind of how that happens, like the impact, what's going on on the front lines. I will say this really quick because I I just have to make a joke because I, I, it's like, I don't know what happened, but when I was a kid, I always wanted Puma sneakers since we're talking about shoes and I always wanted Puma. Right. And I used to go like a Tom McCann spot in the neighborhood where I grew up, Franklin square out here in Long Island. And I, my mom, I never got the Puma sneakers. Now, I don't, and they, they, they used to tell me that my feet were too narrow or, or thin and that, or, or the sneaker. So, and I just thought of this, it's 44 years old. So I thought of it last week. So I was 43. I was like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, um, I think there was like, they were in cahoots. The salesman and my mom 
the Puma were probably more expensive. So they were in cahoots and they told me I had narrow feet because I look at my feet compared to other people's feet and they look the same. I don't. So this is what you made me think of with shoes. This is the comedy section of the show, ladies and gentlemen. There's going to be some silliness. You, you keep coming back, so you must be digging it. So I will be a little bit silly, but I don't think because I bought Pumas as an adult and they fit. I'll just say that. So anyway, Beth, when we come back from, let me stop silliness. When we come back, we we talk about the environmental impact, social impact. I want to say this: none of this happens if the employees or the candidates didn't get leverage. See, they got, we now, as those who, you know, it used to be like, I remember even going in for interviews, you kind of felt like, like a table, like they sat up here and we That's, sat down here, right? That's a really important part of this because there is that right? leverage now to start shifting. Because with, with, yeah. without that, you don't, you can't say it. You can say whatever you want. They'll go, great. I'm not hiring you. Walk, you know, because it's they an need- employer. It's an employee's market right now, not an employer's market. That's the game changer. Let's talk about that when we get back. Beth Bankston's here. Tommy D's here. We'll be right back. Howdy. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Cut through all the static, please. I mean, let's be real. Join me in the attic, you know, but don't like, listen, I say this, don't gang, don't show up on my front porch. Like just virtually join me here in the attic. This is your boy, the nonprofit sector connector. My name is Tommy D. Uh, the organization that we're talking about today is called working for women. And the purpose is to elevate women who are economically marginalized to, uh, to bring them towards financial independence by transforming the way, listen here, Transforming the way businesses support nonprofits working for women. I want to send a hey, hello to my friend Mahin Kleem, who is uh, with an organization called Grant Makers for Girls of Color. Um, I, I definitely, Beth, I think I might have mentioned Mahin like when we spoke the other day. I want to make that connection. But um, Mahin spoke at our roundtable uh, two weeks ago around bringing philanthropy back to its roots. But that organization is making an incredible impact uh, across the country. And I, I expect that Mahin will be here in the attic. Wink, wink, virtual attic gang, but in the attic with me at some point soon. Um, I got to just say, Beth, we we're, we left off right before the break. I mean, there's so much here. Um, I wanted you to continue on this thing around the leverage that the employee has, because like we just hit upon, without that, organizations like yours might have great concepts and ideas, but businesses don't need to change, right? If I don't need to evolve because I'm hitting my numbers, quote unquote, with Wall Street, candidates are knocking us over to get in here to work with us right so that's kind of the twist it knocks everything on its ear right yeah and you know we're seeing it firsthand in the companies that we're working with like this the testimonials that we get back from the employees working on the projects with working for women to support the nonprofits that we're working with are 
are what get, you know, besides the direct impact and the other things, but are just amazing. What gets me up every day, knowing that we're right on something, right? Because the other thing I think the part of the business world hasn't understood so much before is they, they've been thinking and like, this is a nice to have. Like when I said back in 2007, when I had that position, as soon as the economic environment got tough, it was like, oh, this is, we're going to cut this, right? Yeah, this is an easy advice. place to cut. It would be nice to take care of the world, but yeah. it, it's not, it's not core to our business strategy. Are you I've seen firsthand, what, yeah. sorry. I just want to ask you one question. That was while you were vice president of Positive Impact. I want to ask you: Are you familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk? Gary, yeah. You know, I, I follow Gary. If, you know, I don't do Gary's bio right now. We don't need to do that. Google him if you guys need to. But you know, he's all about this whole trip on kindness and how yeah. the leaders can be kind. And like where I remember years ago, um, Apple uh, Steve Jobs was apparently not a real nice leader was kind of mm-hmm. like, I'll, I don't want to, he was not a nice leader. I'm being, I'll just say that. And then you have this, again, talk about flipping the script and talk about flipping things on its ear. We can actually be compassionate and care about people and do the right thing and take care of our people and listen to what they need and all that kind of stuff. And this is like, it's and guess what your business yeah. gets stronger for doing but that's that. the thing. Like, that's the like, Oh, wait a minute. So it's not just a nice to have. It's not just a nice to have to give somebody a title vice president of positive impact. I mean, we used to, we have this, networking organization i used to be the chief culture officer you know which is fun and cute and stuff like that but that was you know those things like you said unless you can show the money behind this too it becomes well we'll do it later or we'll get to it right but in this scenario you get in the employee satisfaction scores measuring that in your company when you're when you enable them to support the causes that they care about. You enable them to actually take their skills and apply them to help some of the social problems out there. It not only benefits that employee and them, how they feel about the company they work with, it benefits the nonprofits. You know, my big learning over the last couple of years and through my career of, of seeing this is businesses have resources and those resources aren't just dollars. It's the skill sets in those businesses. And you talked about, you know, I think we fundamentally think about nonprofits as different, right? We think we have business and we have nonprofits. I will argue a well-run nonprofit is a well-run business. And what we've done is it should be business and it's either your legal structure is for-profit or it's a nonprofit, but a all, you know, it was funny. I'd share it on my shelf back there. When I got, when I was going to switch out of the for-profit world to the nonprofit world, I went and got a book on nonprofit organization management, all the things you need to do to set it up. And I started reading and I went, this is business school. This is just foundational organization, running an organization. There's nothing in here that I don't have from running my own business over here. It's all applicable to the nonprofit world. And so the aha in that and what we do with working for women is we work with our business partners to not just move dollars because you talked about we invest dollars in skills. We look for those skill-based projects. We sit with our nonprofits and ask them, what is it that's holding you back from growing, right? Because my interest is to grow those nonprofits' capacity. Because if I help them grow their capacity, that means they're going to reach more women, right? And if they reach more women, then we're getting more women in economic independence. And that is my ultimate goal. But we do that by serving as an intermediary and a translator between the business world and the nonprofit world. But we sit with those nonprofit leaders and say, what is it that's holding, what are the resources? What are the types of projects that you can't get to or you don't have the skill sets on your team? And then we look within our business membership to say, who has those skills? Who can bring those so that we, we help facilitate those projects? And what comes out of that is a mutually beneficial experience because I've seen way too long the business world kind of doing you know, pro bono projects. And we, and we did this when we built this organization. We went out and we listened and we heard from a lot of businesses. We're doing a lot of projects, but we don't really know if we move the needle at the non, we don't know if we, we really help them. And then we also heard from nonprofit leaders. We have a lot of businesses that come in, they want to do stuff for us, but they're telling us what we need. They're not hearing what it is that we need. And so there, there's been a disconnect in this world of everybody wanting to do well. And so what we do is facilitate to make sure that's a mutually beneficial experience. So when we sit and we hear, hey, you need help developing a marketing and strategic communications plan, we then go off and we find someone to help them do that. And not only just get the 
report done so it sits on a shelf, but make sure that then that nonprofit is able to implement those recommendations and bring them to life so that at the end of this, those business resources, you know, you talked about ROI before, we talk about it as return on impact. There's actually, because that's what I wanted to know as a business leader, right? I was always called on to do charity, you know, give back, but I never really knew. And what do I want to know as a business person? I want to know what my return on impact is. I want to know what my return on my investment is. That's what I've been trained to do all along. So that's what we help the community understand. First of all, I, so much to from listening to you, so much of this to me just makes sense. And I don't know if that's just because I'm in this world a bit and I, I, I see it or if this is like and not to, you know, basic and fundamental might have a negative connotation. And I don't mean it negatively, but I mean, this sounds like some basic stuff. Like if you align two different businesses, they would support each other in, in what you might call a partnership. And then each, you know, I. I have these resources, whether it be social capital or, or dollars or, or, or network or whatever, and you have these other things and we come together and we're both better off for that, right? Yep. Like a day of service, you know, or a uh, team building event where we go out and do the thing once a year and then it just goes away. It was cute. Uh, sorry, that was mean, but it was cute. But <laughs> it, that's where it starts. But, but that's, that's where it starts. Right. So it's not a negative thing, but like, it's like, how do we move the ball further down the field? Like, so, and, and I had uh, Lee Silverman was on the show uh, back in last year, and he's the uh, CEO of Habitat for Humanity of Suffolk County out here in Long Island. And before that, he was a leader of a business and he, his business was so aligned with Habitat that when Habitat needed a new CEO and he had resigned or retired from what he was doing, he just kind of took that role on. It was like obvious, right? But they had a 20-year working relationship that was good for the business, that was good for the nonprofit and vice versa. Their their employees were were like interwoven, not, you know, but they did things together. They were connected, yeah. right? That, that I that's think- getting into, that's when it's aligned with your business, right? That's when you bring it in and that's, sustainable doing good corporate citizenship or businesses and ship or giving back it has to be aligned to your business right it has to you have to be able to see that business benefit and there is right because the other thing that you know i got i've gotten to see firsthand is we you know this was a concept you talked about an idea right like it all generates from an idea when we first came yeah, on yeah. this was an idea four years ago you know i thought it was somewhat a crazy idea and you brought up marjorie mccord right yeah. and um, she is actually on our staff now, but she was one of the first board members to come on. And I remember sitting when I was in my other world, right before we even got this up and going and saying to her, I have this crazy idea that we could, you know, bring the business community together and start going along because she was talking about wanting to find more purpose in her work, right, as she goes forward. And lo and behold, here we sit entering our fourth year and now she's working directly with me. And I kind of had to take a step back this morning and go, oh, my God, this was a this was a crazy idea in a car ride on a piece. And now we're running this organization and growing it. Um, you talked about the, the, so I was bringing up the fact of the employees, what I've gotten to see. And we went into businesses on the beginning, right. And said, you got to do social good. You got to do social good. You got to do social, you got to get back. And businesses said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we are, we are, we're doing a day of service. We're doing this. And and I was like, okay, we're a little early in this market, right? Of getting people to say, this has to be fundamental to your business. What I've gotten to see firsthand is these are learning and development opportunities for your staff, right? There is nothing better than experiential learning and growth opportunities. And what I, what, when I talk to a lot of the larger businesses and businesses out there, it's not, and it's not the reason, you know, it's not that you're still doing the social good. But you're providing learning and developing opportunities for your employees with a dual benefit of doing social good at the same time, right? So they're able to take their skills, the things that they do well, and apply them to different problems and different industries to some extent. All that learning comes back into your business. Besides the fact, and a lot of times, they get to operate on growth opportunities, types of projects that they may not have led in your business, that now they're getting to apply those skills outside in another environment. Yeah, I, I think all that I'm with you right on it. And I think now you're you're developing your people, right? Your people now are not just in the thing, turning the wheel, doing the cog, doing the spreadsheet, whatever. They're like, I do this job. I like this company. 
but wow, now I can get passionate about our other thing they're doing and it fires them up and they're more well-rounded and it goes to the, it's critical. I mean, what, so there, there's a million more questions I have for you. We need like a, a you know, a half day together to, to, to do this. Right. But I, I want to, um, I want to know when we come back from break, how people can connect with you, what it is you need and, and really uh, how can we help? That's, that's the thing. Like, what is the, what's on the top list? And uh, you know, you said Marjorie, right? Like, what are you and Marjorie and the, and the team and the board? And you'll talk about like, we could really use fill in the blank. That's your opportunity, Beth, to do that. There's so much here. Um, I want you to also just tell me resource wise is most of the resources on the website that people can find out about the organization. Is that, is, are there, yeah, just go to workingforwomen.org. It's pretty easy workingforwomen.org. And you can, you can connect with us. You can um, learn about the work that we're doing and then follow us on our social channels, but all the social channels are listed on the website as well. I'll share that as we go to a quick break right now. I'm going to just share the website while we go to a break. We'll be right back. And Beth, you're kind of on the hot seat when we get back. What do you need? What is W4W need? We'll be right back. Philanthropy and Focus. Right back. Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4 p.m. every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership, here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the show. My name is Tommy D. That doesn't rhyme, but I wanted to sing. All right. So listen, we're back. I'm Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector. Shout out to my buddy, Jeff Embry. Jeff, if it wasn't for you listening to my ask at a networking event a bunch of months back, this conversation doesn't happen. So thank you, Jeff. And thank you to my guest, Beth, for being here. I shared the website while we were at break. And, um, Skill-based volunteering is sort of what we started talking about, but it is a section on, on the website. So before you even tell me about the needs and, and wants and stuff, we have, uh, we have about seven or eight minutes left together. Tell me, run me down the programs, if you could, like what the deliverables are of the organization, and then we can kind of bring that into what we need. So let me go back and start kind of with a, oh yeah, I did take myself off mute, um, with a succinct kind of definition. So again, working for women exists, right? Because we, our purpose is to invest dollars and skills from businesses into nonprofits that are working to help women um, who are economically marginalized enter and stay in the workforce. And we specifically have chosen on that. We haven't gotten a chance to really talk about why, why are we focused on women? Why is that such a big focus, especially so many people think, oh, there's 50% of the workforce is women. Like, why do we need to elevate and get more women into the workforce? When you really start looking at the dollars, though, we don't put any capital into women in, in the U.S., right? So less than 1.9, the latest report that came out last year, less than 1.9% of all philanthropy in the United States goes to support women and girls. And the majority of that money goes to focus on reproductive health and services, we are not doing much to help women actually get economically, get to places where they're 
able to support themselves. And then you start looking at the numbers of single moms in households. And let's remember, if you care about gender equity, moms aren't just raising the next round of girls, they're raising boys and girls, right? Or however the child identifies. Yep. So we're not supporting that, right? We're not helping those women get out of poverty. And when you look at the resources and the nonprofits that we support, they're all basically grassroots. We will be across the country by coastal this year. Um, last year, we grew out to Chicago and Boston. We, we launched in the New York metropolitan region. And all the nonprofits we work with, they all have three fundamental things in, pro, in, in um, common. They all provide education and training. They all connect women to jobs. And I think the most important thing, the piece that's really stood out to me in the last couple months is they provide a community. They build a community of support for those women. And so we need to, we need to invest more because what we've seen, and the research has shown this for years, and this is why it's mind boggling to me that we still don't put a lot of capital there. We may be doing a lot in raising awareness in the conversation, but actually moving dollars to support women, we don't do is because when you invest in, in a woman, they turn around, they invest those dollars right back into their families and they in turn invest those back into communities. And we have story after story in every one of the nonprofits that we talk with. When you've invested in these women, what they are doing and where they have taken that is mind blowing, right? And you just think we need to be doing more of that. And when you start factoring it from a business standpoint, right? Who are the primary purchase decision makers about major purchases in almost every household. 80-90% of large purchases or household purchases are made by women. Why aren't we enabling? So getting more women into the workforce is not a bad thing because we get more women to have economic you know, security, then that's good for business because we have more people to buy things. Right? Consumers. So it's good for the happens. GDP. Yeah. Right? Getting more people out of poverty is actually good for the GDP, but we don't invest in that. So that just from the standpoint of why I wanted to kind of bring in, because some people are like, well, you're doing all of this. This sounds great, but I don't know why it's good for my business to invest in women, right? We want to invest in the environment. We want to do other things. And not that we shouldn't, but that's also been proven in reports that when you invest in women, that actually does, it's a good environmental investment as well. Is that right? Okay. All right. And if they- Because they're thinking about that larger metro- um, macro picture. Not that men aren't, but they're thinking about the environment. They're thinking about where their kids are growing up. Yeah. They want to make sure. So it makes sense that they're going to think about companies, not just from that social standpoint, but what that environmental impact is. I, there's so much there. And is a lot of those stories, how are those stories told? Are they told through the website? Is there like, is there videos? They're told through the website. We will do even more of that this year because yeah. we've been so focused on just building out the network and working yeah. directly. Um, we're probably at, as at fault as some of our partners and be able to have the time and resources to tell the story of the impact that we've been having. But again, that will be coming in the next couple of weeks. We'll be issuing our first impact report to kind of talk about what this model is actually able to do um, and showcasing more of those stories of what happens when you invest in a woman. Because we're not telling those. And it's not even from us. Society's not telling these. We tell the stories of the pain, but we don't tell the stories of the transformation that ha- can wow. happen. So much there. I, I mean, wow. I, like, this is incredible. What do I need? I yeah, need the business community to get involved. So how, right? how? How do they get involved? I mean, you know, like, and who? Who and how? Who and how? So we are built for all size businesses. We have three different levels of membership. Um, we have sole proprietors to large corporations that are part of our model. What, you know, if you're a smaller business, in some cases, you can only write a small check each year, right? We then aggregate those funds and we're we're launching the Invest in Women Fund this year where we aggregate those dollars across all those businesses. So that $100,000 can be part of 100,000, part of a million dollars, right? That we then in turn invest into the capacity building. I want to be clear, not just funding off those things, but funding capacity building projects with our nonprofit partners. So Beth, you're here with me. What does the team look like? Are they, am I, are we directing people to follow Beth, connect with Beth on LinkedIn or like, is, you know, is there development? Working people? for women, connect with, with the organization. Right. This is larger than me, Tommy. That's what I want to know because I want to know like, how, not, 
Yeah, this isn't about you. I know as a as a nonprofit leader, I get right. It's not about. Yeah, it's about connecting with the organization. It's following on the channels. It's helping promote this. It's it's a new model, right? There's not a lot of people out there saying, "Hey, let's go work with the intermediary." But I saw as a for profit business, especially as a small business, it took me away from running my business to figure out how to go back and give in community, right? Because what you talked about before, the vetting. How do I know that I wrote the check to the right organization? How do I know that how to bring my skills across? That takes time and resources. We serve to help facilitate and make that better so that what we're doing is enabling businesses to give back better. Uh-huh. Not just to give back. I don't businesses are giving back without a doubt, right? right? Across the board. But are those resources going as far as they could be? Are they having the impact that they could be having? That's what we exist to do and to ensure. You said to give back better is what you just said, right? That was so look, I, I'm I mean, we talked months ago when we first met and and I'm like, this just makes sense, but I'm more enthusiastic about learning more about what you're doing and I want to be a part of it in whatever way, shape, or form my business, philanthropy and focus, me, whatever can be involved because this is these are the stories I'm trying to get out there and tell. So I am thrilled that we've been connected. Uh, we have a lot more to talk about, and I have a lot of connections that I think would be appropriate for you, but you'll have to tell me which you want, which you don't want. Um, and and to go to the website again, it's working for, I just want to look at it, workingforwomen.org. Beth, this has been an absolute pleasure. I mean, I know sometimes hanging with me, I could be all over the map, but it's, it's, um, it's because... <laughs> inside of my head things are firing so quick well, you're also highly passionate about this i think it's fun to talk with you about it thank you i appreciate that i dig it man i mean i got seven pages of notes and this isn't even like it you know i'm running a show and i'm taking notes the whole time so so this has been a special experience at some point uh hopefully i will meet you in person but in this world it's not as relevant anyway because we can just make all connections and hook each other up and help out um uh thank you for being here please don't hesitate to let me know and and my community how we can help. All right. Sounds good. I think we'll be talking more. We will. All right. So this is philanthropy and focus gang. I do have to bring us to a close. If you want to see what I'm doing, Tommy D dot NYC on Instagram, Tommy D dot NYC on TikTok. How dramatic. I just said those things and get me on email. Tommy D at philanthropy and focus.com and focus P H O C U S next week on the show. Jennifer Capeza will be here from Long Island against domestic violence. Um, We don't need to talk about the tragedy of domestic violence, but we will see about this organization and how they're addressing that uh, for people who have experienced that incredible challenge. Beth, again, make it a great weekend. Have a great day. Thanks for what you're doing. Everybody out there, I'll talk to you all soon. Take care. Bye. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbaro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 5, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? 
Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 